0: Mark 14, 1 through 11. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him, for they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought an opportunity to betray him.
1: Thank you, Libby. Let me invite you to take your copy of God's Word and go to that text that she just read for us. That's page 850, if you're using one of the Bibles uh, provided for you there in the seats. That's Mark 14. As we continue our study in Mark, and uh, we're enjoying seeing this, the shortest gospel and what, uh, what God has for us. But uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God's blessing. Father, yeah, we, we really count it a privilege to be able to meet together today. Um, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing to hear voices sing praise to you. It's a beautiful thing to see people interacting and talking that really would have no other common bond other than that Jesus Christ is our Lord, and we're grateful for that, and we're grateful for your word. And now we have the, the time set aside in this worship service to you, God, where we're going to talk about your word because um, this is how you designed it. Uh, the early church devoted themselves to the teaching of your word, and so this is what we want to do. And, but we recognize that uh, this is your word, your message, and, and we don't want to mess with that. And we want to make sure that what we say, and what I say particularly, is uh, accurate to the text and helpful And in order for that to happen, your spirit has to uh, enable that and and reign in us and influence us. And and you're going to have to remove distractions from us uh, so that we can uh, focus in on your word and and who you are. So in the next few minutes, Father, I pray that uh, I would be led by your spirit and that uh, everyone that is listening would be led by your spirit and that at the end of our time together here, looking at Mark 14, 1 through 11, that we would have a, a greater appreciation for who you are and what you've done and our, a greater sense of our responsibility of our devotion and worship to you. So uh, we just pause now because we're dependent on you for all things and we're grateful that you have allowed us to meet together. So in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> there was a successful boxer. Uh, he had a 21-year career that made um, a little over a billion dollars in all of his prize money, and I was reading a little bit about some of the things that he uh, chose to spend his money on. And um, so, let me share a couple of those with you. A few of those. He uh, he had a personal chef on retainer that uh, lived in his house. And he would pay the chef $1,000 a meal uh, for uh, cooking for him. And uh, some of you are like, I'd sign up for that gig. Um, but uh, he had a personal barber that also he would give $1,000 a haircut. And the man was bald, so I didn't really understand that one. Um, I mean, I could do that one. Uh, but um, uh, he also had uh, uh, an iPod case um, and it was in diamonds, and it was worth $50,000 uh, to carry his, uh, his iPod around. And he had a, a, a watch that had diamonds on it. It was worth $18 million um, that he would tell time with. Uh, he was insistent that he had new underwear and sneakers every day. Uh, warm once, disposed of them after that. And then the last thing is that uh, for his son's 15th birthday, he bought... Uh, his son a golf cart, but it was a $20,000 Bentley golf cart, okay? Um, and so this is what this boxer chose to spend his money on, and very extravagant, very, uh, none of us could really even fathom uh, spending money like that, uh, and how much money every day he would go through, and the things that he would have, and it, it, we can't really fathom that in a lot of ways, but What I will say this is that while none of us in this room have those resources, at least that I'm aware of, okay, and um, none of us uh, would think of spending money in that way, we do spend a lot every day. Now, Throughout this message today, I'm going to be talking about spending, and I'm going to try to remind us many times throughout it that I'm not just talking about money. We're talking about time. We're talking about energy. We're talking about any of our resources, emotions, priorities. We're talking about all of those type of things, not just money. Money for sure is included in that, but it's not limited. This discussion is not limited to just money. So we may not spend like that professional boxer, but we have many, many resources that we go through and we spend every single day. And so the question I want to pose to us today is this, is um, would Jesus describe your spending as beautiful? Beautiful. Would he describe how you spend the resources that you have as beautiful? So in order to answer that question, though... We're going to have to say, what does beautiful spending look like? I don't know if you picked up on the text when Libby was reading it here just a few minutes ago of how when Jesus said when Mary, and, and I believe it was Mary, if we put together the uh, anointment, uh, uh, anointing accounts of John, Mark, and Matthew, I believe those are the same account. I believe Luke talks about a different anointing, but John uh, specifically talks about the, this being Mary, the, the sister. Of Martha and the sister of Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead, and I believe that's what's happening here. That story here, and so, so Mary, when, when Jesus uh, talks about what Mary did with this this uh, uh, alabaster uh, flask of perfume, uh, he called it a beautiful. Thing. And that got me thinking, like if she, she, she gave this and Jesus said it was beautiful. And so as I was thinking about the resources that God has given to me and how I choose to use them, would God call that spending beautiful? And so we need to look at what the text says about that. And so I'm just going to point out two things from this text this morning as we walk through the sermon. First of all, any expression of love for Jesus is beautiful Uh, spending. And I'm going to walk over here and turn this monitor on because this is where I've got my timer. And so you want me to turn this monitor on right now so uh, I can see where I'm at in the the time slot. any expression of love for Jesus is beautiful spending. We see this here in um, how this text is framed and how the structure is. Um, it's a way of, Mark does this several times throughout his gospel where he gives like a sandwich approach. And I don't know if you noticed that, but in the first couple of verses, he talks about Judas. He first talks about the, not really Judas, but the, the religious leaders. And he talks about how that they wanted to uh, arrest Jesus and they wanted to kill him even. And so this is the plot, but they said, you know, right now the holiday is here, there's a lot of people from uh, around uh, the, the uh, they're visiting here for the celebration, and they didn't want a riot, because there was a, a higher presence of Roman guard right now, because they knew that during this Passover feast, during this time, that there had been riots before amongst the Jews, and so during this time, the Romans would send extra troops, in, and so everyone was on high alert right now, and so that's why the chief and the religious leaders, they wanted Jesus dead. They wanted him out of the way, but they knew they couldn't act right now because there was high presence of Roman officials. And if any type of uh, uh, fighting broke out, uh, they could get uh, really oppressed by the Roman rule even more. And so they said, after this is done, that's when we're going we're gonna to do this. And so we see that in the first couple verses. And then we have the account of, of Mary anointing uh, uh, Jesus. And then the last two verses that, was read, that were read to us is then Judas going and betraying them. So we have the, the looking for Jesus's destruction. We have the devotion of Mary. And then we have looking for Jesus's destruction again. And it's a sandwich. And the reason why Mark does this, it's, it's, it's a device to get us to con contrast, and then highlight what Mary's doing here. And so that's why I say that it's an expression of love, and it's a beautiful thing to, to Jesus whenever we show an expression of love by how we spend resources, whether it be time, money, energy, emotion, whatever it is, that's a beautiful thing when we have in, in God's, uh, uh, in service to God in mind. And, and he sees that as something that is absolutely beautiful. And what makes it beautiful is that Mary obviously has no concern about a return on investment here, okay? When she breaks this alabaster flask open, okay, it was, it was shattered, it was, it was broken, it, it, it can't be used again. It, it wasn't like she just dabbed out a little bit of this very precious perfume. We're gonna talk about that in a minute of how rare this was. But it wasn't like she just just poured, poured out just a little bit and then saved the rest for herself, No, she um, was willing to break it and give all of it because she wanted to worship Jesus with it. And she wanted to show her devotion to Jesus with this, and she gave it all. But she wasn't concerned about, well, am I going to get a return on this? Is he going to pay me back on this? There was no turning in receipts for this, for reimbursement. I mean, there was none of that. It was spent and it was gone. Now compare that with the religious leaders and how they were spending their energy, and how they were spending their resources. They were were looking, it says in verse 2 or verse 1, that they were seeking how to arrest him. It was, they were putting effort into this. They were debating about this. They were looking at how it could be that they could destroy Jesus. And the reason why they wanted to destroy Jesus is because they were spending all their resources on themselves. They were protecting their interests, their autonomy, their authority. Those were the things that were most important to them, their self-preservation, their self-interest. That's what was so important to them. That's what they were spending their energy on. That's what they were spending their time talking about. That's what they were spending their, their strategizing about, is how they could protect their own interests. And then you enter Judas, who gives them a golden opportunity. Judas then goes to them and says, look, I will deliver him to you. I will show you I know of a time where I can get you access to him where it won't cause a riot. And they say this, they can't pass this opportunity up. And so they spend an amount of money. We, we know it later to be 30 pieces of silver, which was really not a whole lot. But they, they, we know it later on that they spend this money on uh, giving it to Judas so he would betray Jesus. So you see this this contrast that Mark is putting out in this text of how people are spending what they have and whose interest is in mind here. Mary, it's all about Jesus. It's a devotion to Jesus. The religious leaders. And then the scribes and Judas, it was about their own selves and, and their own interests. And, you know, there's been a lot of debate about why Judas did, uh, betrayed Jesus, and, and there's theories on that, and, and different portions of Scripture may give us a highlight to it. But the reality is, we don't know for sure, we just know that he rejected Jesus and didn't want to follow him. That's a sad thing. And he spent, and he sold out his loyalty to Jesus. It's amazing what people are willing to spend money on. Um, You know, these men were willing to spend a lot just to see Jesus destroyed. You know, we're entering into a a political time of year, right? Okay, I heard the groan. Good. All right, good. Um, You'll really appreciate the illustration then. Um, You know, it's amazing how much politicians are willing to spend to either stay in office or get in office, isn't it? It's, it's, it's staggering. Uh, one of the Democratic candidates, Mike Bloomberg, and I think it should just go without saying here, this is not an endorsement, okay? But, I, you know, just in case, you know, because I mentioned him in the sermon, it's not a subtle endorsement, okay? But uh, here's what he said. How many of you, before I give some statistics, how many of you have seen a Mike Bloomberg ad online or something? Okay, okay, now there's a reason for that. Because his advertising strategies, 30,000 ads a minute. 30,000 ads all over the place. He has spent 233 million dollars just on digital and TV ads so far. And this is from The Washington Post, um, according to the NBC News. Um, He uh, is spending about $7 million a day on his campaign. Okay? So that works out to about $300,000 an hour, roughly $5,000 a minute, and approximately $82 a second that he is spending on his campaign right now. It is staggering the amount of money that this man has access to and that what he is willing to spend for the chance of a political office. That is radical spending, and he is willing to do it because it's that important. Now, I wonder, though, I wonder how our spending compares. Now, of course, we don't don't have access to funds like Bloomberg. And that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about what we do have access to, because in some matters, it really is irrelevant whether we have access to $500 million or we have access to $10,000. It really doesn't matter in terms of the amount. It's what are we spending it on? And how are we spending it? What is the priority? If we compare our spending, would it be more like the the religious leaders and Judas about self-interest and self-preservation and authority and, and, and being the masters of our own destiny and autonomy? Or would it be more like Mary who is willing to give everything? And remember, I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about effort, energy, priorities, time, all those things. And so I think it's important to say it again. And I said it one way. I'm going to say it this way. It is beautiful when we spend our resources on Jesus rather than self-interest. And so when Jesus looks at the disciples because they start kind of grumbling against her and saying, why did she do this? This was a, a, rad, a radical, extravagant gift. It could have been used in so, many, so much better ways. Jesus says, wait a minute here. What she's done is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And I want Jesus to say, you know, Jeremy, I've given you time. I've given you health. Uh, I, w- I was standing there a few minutes ago, while we were singing, and um, just a wave of gratefulness came over me of how abundantly kind God has been to us. Been to me, personally, been to our church. God has been abundantly kind to us. We've had our struggles. We have people going through difficult times. We have all of that, but the reality is God has been abundantly kind to us. He's given us so much, and so as I'm thinking about this, like, How am I using what I have access to for God? And so that's the question I want you to wrestle with. Would Jesus look at how you spend your resources? Would he say, that's a beautiful thing. People are going to misunderstand you. People are going to say, why are you doing it like the disciples did with Mary? And Jesus, would would he interrupt people and come to your defense and say, wait a minute here. What they're doing with what they have is a beautiful thing because they're doing it for me. See, this is what we need to wrestle with, with what God has given to us. So it's beautiful when we spend our resources on Jesus rather than self-interest. And if you wonder, like, how do we do that? How do you spend it on Jesus? You know, there's a text in Matthew that's helpful to that, Matthew 25, and I'm not going to turn there, there's no verses on the screen, but if you're taking notes, you might want to write down Matthew 25. And, and there's, there's a text where Jesus is talking about how that he's going to, in the end of time, reward people who've done great things to him. And he says, you know, when I was hungry, you gave me food. And, and then when I was naked, you gave me clothes. And when I was in prison, you visited me. And when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And people are going to say to him, Jesus said, well, wait a minute here. I don't remember giving you clothes, Jesus. I don't remember visiting you in prison. I don't remember any of that. When did this happen? And Jesus says, when you did it to these people, you did it unto me. You see, when we're when we're using our resources to influence other people and for the good of other people and helping other people, and we have, you know, someone who presented the the Gideon ministry today about getting the, the Bible, the gospel into all over the world and on campuses and servicemen and you know Wayne shared a story with me of how that when he was in the service he remembers walking in and you know probably after 65 shots or whatever you got going into the military there was a Gideon guy right represented there with the Bible handing him out there you know that is eternal investment it's a beautiful thing when we spend our resources on those type of things and again, I, I want to keep saying that we're not just talking about money. We're talking about all those things. So let me give you some practical suggestions before I move to our second point and final point. Maybe, so how you could think about spending resources in a beautiful way this week is, you know, spend some energy encouraging someone this week. Uh, you, see, energy and time is a, is a very valuable resource, right? In fact, it is one of the most valuable. Uh, uh, precious resources that we have is time and our energy, right? Use some of that to consciously try to encourage someone else to say, okay, he's, God's given me this time. God's given me this energy. God's given me this ability. God's maybe given me a sickness right now where I'm, 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 I'm sitting around more or whatever like that. So I can write a note or I send an email or something like that. So spend some energy encouraging someone this week. That could be a beautiful gift. Buy someone's lunch or coffee and ask how they're doing and how you can pray for them. That's a beautiful gift. Just, you know, maybe it's a coworker or something like that. And it doesn't even have to be another believer when talking about it. It's a coworker and just say, hey, let me buy your coffee. Let me buy you lunch. And, and you know, tell me about yourself. Um, you know, I like to pray for my friends. I like to pray for my coworkers. Is there something I can pray for you about? Is there anything specific it, that I can I can pray for you about? It'll be amazed, you know, often of how those those uh, conversations open up. But it's a way of spending things on other people and, and helping them and reaching beyond ourselves. Consciously sacrifice some time to meet a need. Maybe, maybe you hear of a need that comes up. You think, you know, what? I don't want to give time to that but I'm going to give it for this purpose this week. That could be some practical ideas. And again, these are just suggestions. These are just ideas that get us thinking. But the key in all this, though, is if you're going to do any of these or anything else, is do it out of a love for Jesus, okay? Because that's what made Mary's gift so beautiful, is that it was a devotion to Jesus. It was a gift to Jesus. So if we're going to buy someone's lunch, we're going to do it as to the Lord. If we're going to buy someone a cup of coffee, we're going to say, Jesus, this is someone you created. This is someone who you love. And so I want to show love to them because you love them and they are, some, they are an image bearer of God. And so out of worship to you, I'm going to try to meet this need. Do you see how that's beautiful giving? And that's what Jesus is getting at here, I believe. So first of all, how do we know if our gift is or giving is beautiful is the idea of any expression of love for Jesus is beautiful spending. Secondly, and finally this morning, Extravagant gifts for Jesus is beautiful spending. Now I've struggled with this thing. In fact, even last night, Nook and I were talking about this and and uh, you know uh, uh, trying to figure out if if you know how, what the scriptures teach on this because you know, I've been studying it for a couple weeks now and and trying to put all this together and and uh, it's interesting how how we have certain ideas of what we think the Bible teaches about something, but when we actually start looking into the scriptures, it's not it's not really there. Or it doesn't. It doesn't have the same uh, 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 amount of emphasis that we thought it might have, and part of that is this idea of extravagant giving. Because I've always been taught this idea of okay, yes, we need to give, but we got to give responsibly, and you know, make sure that you know we're we're not being irrational with it. But you know, and, and again, and I'm not advocating the irresponsibility. But what I am saying is that there are times, and again, this doesn't have to be every day, but there are times. God just calls us to give extravagantly. And every time in the New Testament, Jesus affirms that. And here we have this here of where she gave something immensely expensive. This was probably a family heirloom. This is probably why Mary had this. This was incredibly expensive uh, uh, possession that she had. So to put it in perspective, the, the grumbling disciples here they said that the perfume should have been sold for more than 300 denarii, okay? And now to put in perspective, you know, that was about a day's worth of wages, okay, for an average worker, a denarii. And so it's about a year's worth of work is what this is worth. To put in perspective, back in Mark 6, remember when Jesus was feeding the 5,000? And he says, hey, we need to feed these people. Do you remember what the disciples said? They said, where can we go and buy enough bread to feed all of these people, 5,000 men and plus women and children? Do you remember the dollar amount that they put on it? They said, where could we find 200 denarii to feed all of these thousands of people? So we have a flask of perfume that is worth more than what it would cost to feed 5,000 plus people for a meal. That's how expensive this was. This was an extravagant gift on Mary's part. Like I said, probably a family heirloom. Um, And what I mean by what I'm saying extravagant, I mean that she gave without reserve. When it says here, I don't know if you notice here, when it says in uh, uh, verse 8, it says, she has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. That phrase, she has done what she could, really means she gave what she had. And it wasn't necessarily always the high value that impressed Jesus. It was the willingness to hold nothing back. Now, how do I know that? Because just a few chapters earlier, we looked at, uh, a couple chapters earlier, we looked at a widow who gave two pennies in an offering, and Jesus commended that and said, this was great gift. She's given more than everyone else here because it's not necessarily the amount. It's what are we doing with what we've been given? So some of us have more than others. God is not expecting all of us to give the same amount of money, time, energy, effort, anything because not all of us have the same amount. But he is saying what I have given you, you need to give out of with no reserve. You need to give and just be willing to give it all. And so whether you have a lot or whether you have a little, it doesn't really matter. It's not the dollar amount. It's the devotion element to it that Jesus is talking about. And so this is, this is extravagant giving that Jesus calls beautiful here. And so we give, we use what we have when it comes to giving to Jesus. Most of you know that uh, You know, for several years of my ministry life, I was a youth pastor. And there was an activity that I would do many years ago now, um, and it was called a pizza scavenger hunt, okay? Now, what we would do with this is that uh, I would break the teens up into several teams, and we had, you know, leaders with them and things like that. And I would provide pizza dough for one for each team. And then I would say, go get your pizza toppings and what you wanted and they had to go anywhere they wanted to go they could go to people's homes they could go to grocery stores they could go where they couldn't spend any money but they just basically had to make their own pizza so basically i just took a youth group and turned them into a bunch of beggars for a few hours okay and so they went out there and they were trying to get whatever they could but the rule was whatever someone gave you you had to put it on your pizza Okay, and then you had to cook the pizza and you had to eat it. And that's what we do. Then we'd eat the pizza all together in those waves and spend time together and all this stuff. Well, let me tell you, we had some interesting pizzas come back. You know, we had some that they, they couldn't find sauce. That no, one could, no one could give them sauce or anything. They had like cheese. And so they just, with no sauce or anything, they put some cheese on there and, uh, you know, anchovies and, you know, hot dogs. You know, uh, people like give like slices of bologna, you know, and stuff like that. You just put all this stuff on pizza. And I'm thinking, and people debate about pineapple, okay? You know, and here we're putting anything on these things. And so, but the point was, is at the end of the day, we ate what we had. Okay, couldn't share, couldn't, we ate what we had. You know, I think sometimes of like the vast diversity of those pizzas and some was good, some were good, some weren't so good and all that stuff. We're all in a different spot. We all have different things. What Jesus is saying, he's saying, eat the pizza you have. Use what you have but use it in a way that is showing that you're willing to give for my glory and for my benefit and for out of devotion to me, and I will bless that, and it will be a beautiful thing. And so this is what Jesus calls beautiful. Some of us have a lot of resources. Some of us have fewer resources. We give what we have. And so the question I got asked is, are we willing to spend what we have for Jesus? And again, I I know I'm repeating myself a lot on this, but it's such a crucial point that I'm, I'm intentionally repeating this ad nauseum, and that is, we're not talking just about money here. We're talking about all of our resources. So it's beautiful when we're willing to extravagantly spend for Jesus. And the question we got to ask ourselves is, is he worth it? Is Jesus worth it? So let me give you some practical suggestions. These are some ideas. Maybe you could take some of the money that uh, was saving for maybe a project or something and support a pastor in India or sponsor a child or help with Bible distributions like we heard about today. Uh, Maybe we could take one of our evenings each week and earmark it for hospitality instead of Netflix. Maybe we could take a prized possession like Mary did and give it to someone who needs it more than you do. Again, it will look different for everybody. And I'm not expecting everyone to take these suggestions and this is the marching orders. All I'm trying to do by putting these on the screen is get your mind thinking of what is it that God has given to you and how can you use that to be extravagant in your giving for Jesus and for his mission. Um, Pray about it. Ask Jesus how he wants you to extravagantly spend in his honor. And I gotta say this before I bring it to a close. Sometimes we're worried that we will be too generous. Sometimes we're worried that we'll give too much. And that, that fear is not original with our generation. In fact, one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, of course. It had to be Peter, right? He, he asked Jesus a question. I put this text on the screen. It says this, Peter said in reply to Jesus, he says, See, we have left everything and followed you what then will we have? He's like, look, we've given everything. We've given up our business, we've given our money, we've given up, we've walked away from our responsibilities, and just to follow you. What are we gonna have here? How is this gonna pay off? Did we give too much? Were we too radical? Jesus said to them. Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit in his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones. He's speaking specifically to disciples there, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone, now this is where we enter, and everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sister, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for my namesake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. It's almost like Jesus says, look, don't worry about it. You can't outgive me. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of you. Again, I this is not a plea for you to fill the coffers of our church you know, God's been, we've, we've, uh, for, for those of you who are members in here, you know that we stepped out in faith and in a, a budget this year, have an increase to do some things, and, and God's been meeting that, and we need to praise God for that, right? And so, so this is not a message that is like saying, hey, we got a deficit, you got you, you to gotta make this up. I mean, please still give, okay? I'm not telling you not to give, but my point is is that this is not about us trying to get more money into this church. It's about us using our resources the way Jesus wants us to use them, whether that's with here or other uh, ways to serve people around us. That's very important. So in case you're wondering if this is a good investment, as I bring this to a close, would you understand this the beautiful spending of our resources on Jesus that lasts. It lasts much longer and accomplishes much more than we can ever imagine. Now, I'm going to prove that in this text here because Jesus says this. After they, the disciples, they tell Mary, you know, you shouldn't have done this. They scolded her and I didn't get into the language of how strong that is and things like that. And there was some uh, debate. And we know from uh, John's uh, account that Judas really just wanted to pilfer the money. Um, but, uh, but the point is, is that they were accusing her accuse, uh, or, or scolding her for doing this. And Jesus, again, as I've mentioned, went to her defense. But then he said this. She has, this is verse 8, She has anointed my body beforehand before burial. Now, I don't know if Mary had this in mind or not. It's possible. It's possible Jesus had talked about dying. So it's possible she was in tune enough to make that connection. Most, most scholars don't think so, but it's possible that she did. But either way, what she did had a, a lot uh, more significant impact than just uh, making Jesus smell nice for a meal. It was, Jesus used it and said, This is, you know, I'm not going to have time. They're not going to have time to prepare my body for burial like they normally would. And and this is what she's done. God put it upon her heart to do this, and she obeyed. But more than that, did you notice it says this in verse 9? He says, And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Her extravagant gift has an eternal reach. A couple thousand years later, we're talking about it. I'm not saying people are going to be talking about your gift in 2,000 years, but what I am going to say is that if we learn to just give what we have and be willing to let go and not hang on to things, it's going to be used by God in a much stronger and long-lasting way than we can ever imagine. Because it's God doing what He does. So, I started with this question and I ended with this. Would, you describe, would Jesus describe your spending as beautiful? Is how you spend your resources an expression of your love for Jesus? Do you ever extravagantly give what you have for Jesus? And remember that Jesus praises the, the widow's two pennies just as much as he praises this lady giving this uh, family heirloom. I've said this before. Our church is really generous in many, many ways. Uh, you know, we put a need out there, we meet the need, and I tell you, you know, when it comes to finances, we're doing a good job of supporting that, and keep it up. This is God getting all the glory, and I'm grateful for that. But what about our time? What about some other things? These are the things where I think that we can always use so a little recalibration. Are we willing to do some of the things that we don't want to do in devotion to Jesus? I appreciated how Michael talked about cleaning the church in the announcements. You um, put it in good perspective what it is. Well, this fits in here. Of, are we willing to just give a couple hours you know, once a month or something like that? Is that really extravagant giving? Um, maybe for some of us it is. And I'm not saying everyone has to clean the church. That's not my point. It's just an illustration about what are we willing to do in service to Jesus. So let me give you some homework. Um, Here's some question. I want you to maybe ask this question yourself. Is my giving a conscious act of devotion to Jesus? So when you give, whether it's in an offering here, whether it's of a time investment, whether it's of uh, energy, whatever it is, is there ever a time where you're saying, okay, I'm giving this because I love Jesus. I'm giving this because I love Jesus. I'm giving this because he's worth it. Let me encourage you to, to mull that over you know, one of the reasons why we have the the box and we don't pass a plate in our church is because we don't want to put a, a huge emphasis on on money and you know, particularly for guests and and we don't want to you know. And there's other good reasons for that. But one thing I, I do want to caution us against is that it's not part of our worship service, which I do lament sometimes. And I'm not saying we need to change. That's not my point. But I will say this. If you're a person that's a member of the church and you're giving each week or you're giving monthly or however you give, please don't just walk by the box and drop something in without thinking about it and just moving on like you paid your cable bill. Take a minute when you write that check or put the money in the envelope or wherever it is, take a minute and thank God and say, God, I'm giving this out of worship to you. Maybe even do it at the box or whatever, but just make sure that when you're giving, there's a worship element. And and there's many ways to do that. Um, And and it's not just one way, but I'm just saying when we give, whether it's at the box or we're giving to uh, someone else or we're helping meet a need or whatever it is, are we doing it in devotion to Jesus? That's when it becomes beautiful, okay? Uh, Maybe do a quick study in giving in the Bible. See what it says. Uh, again, you know, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, um, you know, Philippians 4, uh, some other passages, uh, Jesus talks a little bit about money, um, the Old Testament, of course, and building the temple and things like that. There's, there's plenty of texts that you can, you can look up. Um, consider any scenarios, this is, uh, I'm just asking you to dig a little bit here, consider any scenarios where the Bible teaches us to withhold giving. And again, not just money, okay? And I've got thoughts on this, but I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately, I'm intentionally not going there because I want you to study it and maybe we can have a conversation about it sometime. But is there times where the Bible instructs us to withhold any type of giving of time, money, energy, things like that? Just get your minds working on that maybe this week. So uh, beautiful giving, beautiful spending is how we spend our resources beautiful in Jesus' sight. Let's pray. Father, Father, um, could have gone in a lot of different directions with the sermon, um, but as we looked at how this was structured, we wanted to highlight Mary and um, her devotion to you. And at the end of the day, whether we've heard, um, if we've forgotten any, everything, I pray that we would at least remember that you are worthy of devotion, you are worthy of worship. And you've given us all things. And we want to use it for your glory and honor. So, Father, thank you that we can be reminded of that today. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.